Hello there. Well, you look at this. I think, I believe, I do believe that we might be uh, actually starting seconds early for once. What, what time is it? What time is it? It is just turned seven o'clock according to my machine. There's a little bit of latency. Um, yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. A lot of people are, are, are kind of curious about this one. Oh, wait a minute. Just something very important needs to happen. Oh, oh. Oh, there we are. Lovely. And, uh... Oh, marvellous. Um, it's, it's We're going back to our, um... We're getting back to our rail matter roots for this one. Let's get my large face up. Because we're going to do quite a lot of this. Look how yellow it is in here. Crikey, it's a sunny one. We're going to have, um... We're going to get back to our rail matter roots because I think a lot of this one is going to be face-to-face. -face, me chatting to, to you, lovely lot. Hello, you lovely lot. Um... You lovely lot being all the viewers uh, at home or wherever you happen to be, um, asking questions. So, um, and if you wish to, you can ask questions in any way you w uh, want to via Twitter even, and I'll try and keep on top of that. But to be honest, ideally, what you want to do is at me into the comments. It's not in the comments, in the, the chat bar, the live chat that's going on, and I can catch your questions then. If you, what I'll do is I'll kind of do, I'll stop, I'll stop a few times. By the way, I'm drinking. Um, this is just this was in Sainsbury's. I don't know whose it is. It was quite pleasant. This is a uh, Hiver, nice little session IPA there. Just put that in front of my face. It's not going to focus, is it? Focus. Nope, never mind. Um, so uh, get yourself a nice drink. Get yourself comfy. Cheers, everyone. And we're going. Oh, Simon is in the office right now. Okay. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. Um, before we do this thing, though, let's get our let let's and before I start waffling it in, let me go back to uh, removing my face from your screens, and going and having a look at the latest coronavirus statistics. Um, in terms of transport ridership, let's have a look. Uh, also, this means I need to get my Wacom out. Wacom. Uh, what what's going on? Well, what is going on? Um, well, firstly. This is this is the big zoomed out thing. Generally, you can see that rail is kind of generally continuing its upward trend. This this is rail here, the blue line. If you're colorblind, it's the bottom one. The the dotted bits here are all of the provisional like DFT projections that generally get it wrong, but vaguely point in the right direction. Um, so you can see it's rising. Let's zoom in a bit though. Uh, so if we zoom in, we've also got the the point at which measures were removed. Uh, sadly, cycling pretty much exactly as measures were removed. Weirdly, cycling has just gone down. Cycling is the green one here. Uh, the red one here is all road vehicles. There is a bit of a breakdown. I could it might be useful to break this down into like HGVs and stuff. Maybe I'll do that for the next episode and kind of break it in and have a proper look. Um, but the, the this has dropped. Uh, sorry, this has just been continuing at hundred percent. It's it's over a hundred. It's it's greater than a hundred percent at the moment remember these are relative not absolute figures so this is relative to pre-covid times cycling as we say has dropped down uh bus services kind of, i mean the variation has widened but it still looks like they're kind of sitting at around the 60 percent mark and you can't quite see it there but rail is sort of it got up to about 57 58 percent of pre-covid levels and it sort of stabilized a bit but it's still steadily climbing it's looking increasingly like whoever did name this 75 percent thing was kind of on the money, although when they when the the seventy five percent thing was described, it was before um, it, it was really before we understood exactly what the path out of lockdown was going to be. So, uh, I think it was expected that we'd be get, getting out of lockdown several months earlier. So this was this this is yeah. Anyway, so actually we have 
accelerated more rapidly. But anyway, it's it's pretty steady from the start of the year, 75%. So fair play. I think I poo-pooed that and said we'd get there quicker. But um, we've screwed things up too much as a country. So uh, it's been slower. And government's made no effort to get people back onto public transport for mixed reasons. But now everything's open. You'd expect that. You know, you'd expect that um, that to be happening. In any case, that, that those are the numbers as, as they stand. You can sort of see it's a bit of a horrible clash of colours there. Uh, but anyway, there we go. Uh, people are saying because it's the summer holidays. No, this is abs- This is this is relative. So, um, the only reason that you'd have a drop like that is if it's is it in relation to twenty nineteen numbers. So it, it perhaps be if there's an offset in summer holidays. But no, no, the cycling dropping is not relation. It, it's it's dropping in relation to last year's summer holidays as well. That's um, that's how the stats work. Don't these are relative stats, not absolute stats. So so a drop here does not mean. Um, it, it's not likely to be due to seasonal things. It's, it's related to, you know, it, it's, it's in comparison to pre-COVID times. Anyway, that's enough of that. The news, uh, not much news to report this time around. I think the most interesting, there's actually two positive news stories, um, which is uh, the first one is that there is going to be a proper transport hierarchy, a highway hierarchy at last. It's going to be hopefully getting incorporated into the highway code um, on 1st of January 2022. This is what the transport hierarchy is about. The squishiest and most vulnerable road users um, are the ones that have the most priority. So as you get chunkier and have more power, uh, you have um, you have to give way to everything else. So uh, essentially, with the greatest power comes the greatest responsibility. Thanks, Spiderman. Um, uh, yes. So that is. Uh, so this is this is actually from a We Are Cycling UK sketch um, with the campaign to make this to happen, uh, make this happen. It has happened. So fantastic work, Cycling UK and others who've got involved in that. But essentially, it means that cars will always have to give way to motorcycles, motorcycles to, to bicycles, and so it's it will be detailed, written down in the in the highway code. But you can look at the 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 wording is is available. Carlton Reed did a, did a piece on it, uh, for example. Go and have a look. But it's good. This is a positive thing. This is positive. Um, weirdly, one of the biggest opponents to HS2 in government uh, at the moment happens also to be big on cycling and is pushing and is pushing a lot of the dr- some might argue draconian stuff going on. I don't. I, I'm, it's the only thing government is asserting itself on in a positive way, which is uh, or positively, which is how much it's hitting local authorities for not enacting more cycling infrastructure and withholding funding for them not doing so. Um, so yeah, uh, actually a good news thing. Other good news. Wah, wah. It's uh, it's the A three hundred three Stonehenge project that has been um, uh, binned. Well, it's not been binned. Uh, it has not been binned. There's me doing a, a thumbs down. There we are. Um, it's not actually been binned. What has happened is there's there was a judicial review. It was found that the process by which it was approved as a project was not acceptable. Uh, we remain confident our project is the best solution to the ongoing issues. Well, uh, other people might beg to differ. So um. Hopefully this will be the end of that, and this this account will just go dormant, and then the whole thing will disappear. This is the first of the risk to um, the the rail improvement strategy, rail road road. Basically, the the funding package for the next five years for road. Um, it's the first of their big projects to f- to tumble or or to falter. So fingers crossed, the momentum keeps up, and and these projects start to fall away. I think also one of the a Derby project has also stumbled. So um, it, it's worth it's worth specifying. Risk two isn't just big new roads. There's a lot of kind of you know, within that funding is maintenance and stuff like that. And you do need to maintain roads. So the whole of risk too doesn't need binning. What needs binning is the um, are all of the major road investment pro- projects. They just don't need to happen. For example, the A66 uh, dueling 
this road is a road that would benefit me hugely if it was made a, a dual carriageway in my old-fashioned brain. So I'm thinking, oh, yeah, great, it'd be dual carriageway all the way to Scotland. Except that what would happen is that would induce more uh, HGVs, more cars. That would get congested. You didn't, you'd have more pollution and you'd be pulling potentially pulling people away from current modes uh, of rail. So actually, this is also a stupid project that should be binned off. All of these major schemes just need bidding off, all of them. Anyway, um, so there we go. Sorry uh, sorry to Highways England, uh, but uh, hopefully this project gets canned off. Hopefully other projects, major major projects, get canned off. Um, uh, yeah, my press team told me off when I got vocal about RIS2. Um, but uh, as I pointed out to them, uh, yeah, no, as a company, we should be opposing it too, just because it makes us money. Uh, <laughs> we shouldn't be... Anyway, yeah, this upset them greatly. Um, And, uh, yeah, well, consultancy. So uh, that's the news. The first road project to fall of risk too, maybe, hopefully. We'll see. Let's move on to the fun, fizzy stuff. Uh, This nonsense. Um, Look at it. It's not, firstly, let us let me get my miniaturized, in fact, get me, let me get my miniaturized face up in the corner. Hello, I'm up in the corner. This is not a trolley lorry, people. This is a pantograph. It's a double pantograph. Here it is, double pantograph. If it's a pant, if it's got a pantograph, and it's got catenary, you know, this is this is a this is a catenary support. It's not tram lines. It's not a single cable. This is essentially only for for road. It is not a trolley system. So stop calling them trolley lollies, you, you loonies. Um. Anyway, right. That's that. Let's uh, let's do this thing. Um. I'm going to get rid of my miniaturized face because otherwise my miniaturized face will be there throughout the whole of the starting credits. And um, and it's all that remains really for me to do is is, is for us to, to kick things off. Welcome to tonight's Rail Matter, everyone. fading away I've put these two little circular images up here because a variety of things uh, firstly you, uh, regular viewers, viewers will be aware that I'm uh, technology is interesting and, and we can talk about it lots and lots but actually technology is like only really you know the technology side of, of these sorts of things is only one small facet Invariably, it's the facet that everyone gets very excitable and jumpy, uppy, downy about. But actually, it's 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 not the thing that drives whether something is a good idea or not. Let me get my miniaturized face back in the corner. Hello, I'm back. This is the key thing, absolutely key thing that um, just gets... Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, the bigger picture. Fundamentally, the... I'm flinging me whack around. Fundamentally, reality is way, way, way above... Oh, wow. <laughs> I've just had my second jab uh, as of earlier today. So uh, this arm isn't going quite as high as this arm, which is uh, which is fine. You know, I've had a jab, so I've got mild bruising around where I've got a thing stuck into me. Everyone get vaccinated. Go. If you can, go. Unless you have valid, sensible medical reasons not to get vaccinated, everyone should go and get vaccinated. And that account, like 16, 17-year-olds now too. I should have put that in the news. Hooray. Right. Anyway, 
so technology and reality, and we're going to be looking at both in this episode uh, because I'm sure there are technology things that you want to be considering and, and, and chatting about, and so we will do a bit of Q&A on that. But what I'm going to do is um going to go through uh, some things... Well, I'm going to split this in, in half and then we'll have the Q&A session after I've gone through the kind of the bits and pieces. So kind of stack up your question. Wait, don't ask questions necessarily. I mean, fling stuff at me while we're going. But if you if you kind of want a Q&A question to, to, for, as a thing for us to explore, then save it up until we get to um, until we get to a point where I go big face. So, uh, yeah, lots of people have already had their two jabs. I'm, I'm very pleased to say. So let's go to the M180. <laughs> Uh, we're going to the M180 because the M180 is where the this this trial is going to be, and it's not um, it's not entirely I'm not entirely clear on when exactly the plan is going to be for when this thing gets constructed. Uh, others might well have have more of an insight. I'm not sure when it, if it's actually been published, and indeed the money that's been talked about for this project is just for funding feasibility and and kind of development. It's not funding the capital works that's going to be i think siemens will be will be funding that possibly kind of i think possibly there's, there's a yeah there's a consortium group uh of, of siemens and costain who are kind of palling up to to do this as a as a thing so i think they're going to self-fund it as a bit of a as a bit of a trial to be honest the nuts and bolts of the trial not hugely fussed about necessarily at this point um uh, and I'll explain why. But first, let's talk about the let's talk about the M one eighty. Why is the M one eighty being picked for this trial? And indeed, in a minute, we'll talk about trial of what. Well, the M one eighty is being picked. There's the there's the M one eighty there. That little bulgy bit here. Um, there's the M one eighty. This is our motorway network. There's the M one eighty. Also, uh, this little little Scottish motorway network. Isn't that nice? Don't know particularly know why it just looks it just looks a bit strange. This all the central belt stuff. Anyway, M one eighty down here. The reason it's been picked is because oh, I should have done a little. Let's uh, let's explain the M one eighty to everyone because it's a bit of a weird and pointless road. The M one eighty is uh, here. It is going to do this. Uh, this is the M one eighty. It is a a road that literally does like would not exist if it were not for the ports of uh, Immingham, particularly. But also Grimsby, um, uh, kind of Ferryby, and, and kind of uh, particularly like the the kind of the the stuff that happens at Scun Scunny as well, all along here, and then it connects up to Doncaster, which is a major freight distribution hub. So so the the M one eighty is this is this bit that runs along here all the way through here. Um, if I go here, I want to visit. Oh, the Trolleybus Museum. Yeah, that's everyone should go and visit the Trolleybus Museum at uh, Sandtoft. Anyway, um, so. That's the M180, and it continues, then it goes into the A180 after that, and it, it also kind of connects up to the Humber Bridge with the A15. I have actually driven this once. I think I did a loop because I wanted to have a look anyway. Um, and then there's also this weird bit with the M181, as the, the little spur thing, because it's it's a very strange road, folks. And it's the sort of road that, for me, embodies uh, transport policy in the, in, the previous, in the last century, because this road should have not been built and um, what they should have done is expanded the railways to provide uh, connectivity to hubs in Doncaster. Don't build the road, spend that on upgrading the railway or indeed building a new railway to do the job. Instead they built a motorway and 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 here we are. And um, if I now, uh, actually I just minimise that because you might want to ask me questions about it later. So, uh, oh you don't have the cursor. Oh, uh, Oh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I think you were vaguely seeing what I was describing. Um, yes, so 
Uh, M180, there it is, marvellous. It's quite weird seeing the abstract motorway map, isn't it? Uh, I need to. I continue to need to look at where railways are don't exist on this on this on this map and, and ought to be you know trunk railways. Anyway, that's by the by. So this um this 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 whole thing, this this scheme is part of the um the the Zerft uh project, the the zero emissions road freight trials, uh being coordinated by the DFT. Um and so you know kind of it's 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 one part of a larger picture. You know they're they're looking not only at um at this you know electrified e-highway thing they're looking at hydrogen fuel cell potential which uh, if you look to nicola you'll see how how well that's going in the us um and uh, for the benefit of uh, listening viewers i uh, just drew my uh, hand repeatedly across my neck in a sort of a it ain't happening kind of way um, and then the supply chain technology there's there's other things kind of feeding into it um there's there's some some later kind of this this later strands strands 3 and 4 um are to do with supply chain and, and batteries as well um yeah so lots of lots of thing lots of kind of fancy tech to kind of try and keep us doing everything the way we've been doing it for for you know decades so clearly i don't think that's a very good idea but anyway there's the dft's logo for everyone to see so having having been in scunthorpe which is where the m180 passes i think it's i think this trial is maybe going to be about 60 kilometers long which is quite that's quite a long trial uh the, the other trial the, the trial that i went to see in sandviken uh in uh, Hevlebore, uh which is in sweden i uh, went to see that trial and it was like three kilometers or three or four kilometers long if that i think it was about two miles long not very long at all um but that's probably that's where i've got all my technical knowledge about it and so we are going to talk about that very briefly um but first of all i need to explain oh here's the yeah here's the trial site here it is um yeah there's 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 me filming out at the window um and you can sort of see what it looks like there it is there is electrified uh highway it's on the on the um on the slow lane it's just basically standard patinery it's more it's got a higher tension tension i think it's tensioned quite a bit higher 16 kilonewton tension uh two cables because you've got to have a return current going through the roof hence the two pantographs uh but anyway there it is so that's this is the test site not hugely exciting and we're now going to talk so so that was the test site and we're going to talk about the technology bit right so we're going to start with the technology so here is one of these lorries that's required to make this all work right oh it is very very nice this this beer i'm just going to top top this up oh lovely so uh, everyone needs to be you know uh, nourished and and hydrated so this here it is that you can see the Siemens kit at the top looks very snazzy. Um, but what is going on here? How, how does this work? What's what's happening? Well, vehicle side, it's it's fairly straightforward actually. So orange has happened. Um, so for starters, you have a, a gearbox uh, which obviously provides drive power. Feeding into that gearbox is uh, or or you know the motor in the gearbox are three energy sources, three different energy sources. You have the conventional diesel engine. You have the pantograph at the top bringing juice in and then as part of this you also have a battery so you can get power from uh from the diesel engine you can get power from the pantograph at the same time you can get uh, power from the pantograph uh, sorry power from the battery can also run it and also the pantograph can charge the battery so um so you've got this kind of this this is the system of of, of multiple sort of sources of energy and it, and it's as you can see from the kind of the picture it's not well i'll tell you what we'll, we'll get there it's um yeah anyway right we'll, we'll have a look at the picture in a second it's fairly compact isn't it so conventional operation is where is is just as we all know and this is what 
the trial vehicles will be doing for probably most of their mileage will be running off the diesel engine just as they do now. Um, when the pantograph is raised, they get their juice, electricity juice uh, that powers the motor, and also that charges the um, that charges the battery as well. So the battery gets charged. Happy days. Um, and you can also just rely on battery power. So you can, you know, for whatever reason, uh, for low emissions areas or, or you know, in, in urban areas, you could potentially argue you can go off the battery, which itself is charged up. But the range of the battery, not so great. It's not a huge battery. Um, I don't I don't know the latest numbers, but the battery range was not great on these. It's you know it's like you know, tens of kilometers, uh, really not not a huge range, and that's that really. So there is the kit. You can see it's quite it's quite um, uh, it's quite compact ish. Just fits in behind the cab. The logic with these is that um, yes, it is a huge amount of extra weight the tractor will have to carry. I mean I don't I didn't I don't remember what the actual weight of these was, but looking at this, I'm expecting you know tons two two tons two or more tons it's quite a lot of extra mass which means less weight in the in the trailer because the because you've got to meet your axle weights right so um i don't think they do do regenerative braking tom no um it is it kind of relies on a hybrid drive so i don't know to what extent they can potentially look at those technologies but certainly the one i, I had i don't think it had i looked at i don't think it had that tech so the idea is that that existing trucks almost will have this fitted. You almost buy it like a like you buy a, a mobile phone package that you you buy this and and in doing so you also buy the, the the electricity. You kind of buy the electricity package that that and 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 that's how it would be done. So I think that's how it's it's going to be commodified in that way. Which uh, given the regulatory mess that is electric vehicles already, that to me does not bode well either. But anyway, uh, so that's 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 the lorry. Um, we will oh i tell you let's pause briefly any any question oh you know what no no let's not we'll maybe bring this picture back up if we need to at the q a but we'll we'll get through the the technology bit first um Good so you can actually hear our boy here describing some of the some of the, the but we've already looked at this we've we've kind of seen um kind of seen what the what what these vehicles look like and and there it is there's the oil you can see there's a an overlap there and we're going to look at here's here we're going to look at one of the trucks this is powell uh a scania um nice scania g360 um it's a big old beast but it's quite an old truck actually now and this is weirdly this truck that powell um is the scania test truck that has done more miles than any other scania test truck in history um, so they've, they've, you know, they tested the, the heck out of this. You can see all the people that have got involved on the side of the truck there. You can see all the people who've got involved in, um, in kind of making it happen. So Zeeman's mobility, obviously major player, Scania major player, uh, Region Kevilabura uh, is another one, as in the, the regional authority in in um, in Sweden. And then uh, uh, what is it? Traffic for Kent, uh, traffic for Kent. Uh, my Swedish is dreadful, but I, I, that's the that's the kind of the roads authority, the Highways England equivalent, essentially. Um, and yeah, so this thing's got a oh yeah, sorry, the range that this has the battery range on it, three kilometers. So it's not a huge battery range you're talking about for these things. It's a tiny range, absolutely tiny. Uh, and then you've got the numbers for like torque and uh, yeah, it's a five kilowatt hour battery. So there you are. There's some 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 data for you. Um, and yeah, here it is going past. So they see the pantograph. There we go, and it whizzes past, and it's not hugely exciting. Um. So there we go. So here it is, and this is it on repeat. So you can just see it going past and past. Marvelous. Um, 
the logic of these is that they so, so that there is some logic behind it just just you know there have to be transitionary technologies fighting climate change doesn't just come from one big we've won everything solution it comes from lots of little uh systems changes of which this is clearly one so for 100 kilowatt hours this is kind of you know generated this way this is the kind of this is the pathway to what you can get in terms of range so um this system the so so our the e-highway e system we're talking about here theoretically can get you 60 kilometers in terms of the efficiency of the total system with battery um this can get you 48 kilometers um and then i think here they're talking about sort of um some of the alternative options. hydrogen only gets you 24 kilometers so that's like less than half the range of of having this e-highway e system and then the conversion into like uh biofuel using that energy gets you only 17 kilometers because because it's such an inefficient process there's so many different processes there so the fewer processes you have the better really they're saying battery's good but they're not accounting for the fact that obviously that accounts for like um quite a lot of extra mass so so so, so that theoretically the e-highway system does make sense like it does make sense in that sense you are not putting the power okay it's got a trifling tiny little battery but that battery really is for you know, if you can run, if you have to pan down briefly for whatever reason, I'll talk about how pan down uh, works in a moment. But um, the so so it, it just in the same way as electrifying railways makes sense technologically. Electrifying roads actually does make some sense. You're taking the power source out of the vehicle, you can generate the electricity however you like, and that moves your mass. Great. And, and and also part of the Siemens sort of system, their their kind of overall package they're talking about is that you you can mix and match all sorts. So you can go for like parallel or serial hybrids. You can go full electric. You've got lots of different options depending. The, the logic they're trying to make is they're trying to make it as modular as possible. So you can have all manner of different combinations and some such. And I, I won't dwell on this, but you, you can understand that they're, they're offering a sort of a system that, that and, and theoretically, the fact that it's this modular thing that sticks onto the back of the, the vehicle, of the back of the tractor, you know, you can sort of imagine how it might be vaguely modular, but uh, anyway, right. So yeah, well, I'm not yammering about that. So yeah, you can see the the infrastructure here. So we talked about the vehicle. Obviously, the infrastructure pretty straightforward. It's just OLE kit, um, and and it has the benefit of uh, you know OLE kit. We talk about discontinuous electrification being a stupid idea on railways. It is on roads, not so much because you don't have the operational issues of. Um, having to worry about pan up, pan down. These lorries are always going to have an alternative power source, whether it's that three kilometer battery um, or whether it's the diesel. They're always going to have an alternative kind of. Um, there's there's Powell. Uh, they're always going to have that alternative. There's the. Um, the oh, what was it? What do they call it? It's like a converter station to get the juice in. Anyway, it's not that big a deal. There's a anchor. I presume that's a. Is that an overlap? It's just a section. There, there we are. OLE words. All the OLE words. Anyway, um, it's just it's just conventional OLE. You can do discontinuous because the uh, so what how the pantograph thing works. And I think I've got slides for this, but I'll just re-explain it when it appears. Um, at the slightest hint of lost contact, the pan drops, so it's much lower risk. Whereas with a train, um, if you drop the pan, you, your train's stuck. Um, that's not so much the issue with these. So they they don't have to wire up complicated junctions. They don't have to. There are lots of things they can do that are more straightforward. They don't even have to wire up. Um, so yeah, they don't have to wire up things like. Um, uh, you know, even if they've got a particularly horrible bridge, they don't have to wire that up because, and a lot of people say, well, uh, that pantograph's going to get smashed. No, if there's no contact, it, it's not possible for you to lift the pantograph. 
So, um, unless you actively press the button to lift it, if it doesn't sense contact, it'll just, um, you know, it'll, it'll drop again. If it doesn't get the contact, it'll drop again. So you're not going to press the button actively as you go towards a bridge, unless you kind of fancied it. But there's like, um, you know, fancy making a mess. So it, it does make sense. Um, yeah, it does make some sense, right? Oh, so uh, let's talk about some tech things. I'm just going to try and annihilate all of the tech questions that I've been getting. Stagger is a common one that appears. Um, so, you know, on a railway, you can see if you look look here, you see that, that, that there's a sta this stagger uh, between the, the sort of structures. So so watch that above. You can see, you can see the stagger between different structures, right? Well, you notice if you go to the, the, the electrified highway, you'll see that it's just a straight line the whole time. Straight, 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 straight. Uh, the reason for that is a couplefold. Number one, um, you need well in both cases the thing called stagger is because if you have the pantograph horn here and you've got the you know you've got your strip of of, of whatever it is coppery material here that's picking up carbon strip or whatever that's picking up, and you have the, the you have the cable in one place. Eventually, your carbon strip will look like this and it'll be no good. Uh, you'll have a you know you'll have worn a hole in your carbon strip, which is bad. So what you do is you move the you move the the this you've got this stagger you move the contact wire side to side and it evenly wears the the contact strip at the top right fairly straightforward uh, on a railway the only option you have is to do that between structures um so it ends up with this zigzag which is fine doesn't matter doesn't matter right uh, on a road the way that they do this is not by having put in stagger on the on the OLE um what they do is they the vehicle is set with lane control to stagger I think actually they're relying on just the general movement of the vehicle within lane control when I asked them in, in Sweden. But I, one of the things they talked about is the potential to use positive lane control. And it won't weave between the lane at the same frequency that the um, that all these structures do because it doesn't need to. It can have a much slower frequency. So you wouldn't even notice it happening, but it can move gently move the vehicle kind of from side to side in the lane within certain bands to make sure that those two pantographs get their carbon strip worn nice and evenly. So that's the point of it. Tension. Um, oh, here's Here's a... Cut away the table here. You can see this this uh, this sign here, which is quite clear, saying "Please don't touch." But that's because there's a model behind it. I don't think it was about this nice section of uh, of contact wire. That's what contact wire looks like, by the way. Uh, it's the same for regularly. You get the, the the sort of the structures that sit here, the little sort of things that sit here, and then connect it up to the hangers. That's what it looks like. Um, and and eventually, you know, it, it flattens here, but as it gets worn out. But that's basically a standard cable. You know, nothing fancy about that. Standard line. Um, so, oh, lots of uh, da, 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 da. it can lift. Uh, it can lift while in motion. Yes, it can lift while in motion. I think I've got a video of it doing that in a minute. So, uh, tension. Yes, uh, the thing with with trucks with road vehicles is, is uh, as much as there are kind of lots of other issues with, you know, with having big pneumatic tires in terms of energy efficiency. One of the things is that vertically, unlike trains, which are pretty vertically rigid, um, road vehicles they bounce and squish. They're very bouncy and squishy. Because you've got, you know, you've got the, the, the road, which is actually a bit squishier, but particularly you've got a tire, you've got the suspension, which is very squidgy, a road, a tire that's very kind of uh, squidgy. Uh, and you've got, uh, you know, you've got the sort of, the whole thing is just generally very squishy. So if you've stuck a pantograph on the top of here, this thing's going to be bouncing around all over the place, right? So what they found they had to do is increase the uplift force on the uh, pantograph a lot. So this thing gets a lot of force, uh, forcey, forcey, force to make sure that it's constantly in contact with the contact wire. As a result of that force, um, you need to then have more tension force on the cable to stop the cable bowing upwards. So this thing, unlike conventional 
only which what is it 12 oh you can't see because my f let me go no face briefly uh 16 kilonewtons there um i think uh conventional only is like 12 right 12 12 and a half kilonewtons so this is 16 kilonewtons so the the only kit is more beefy on a motorway than it will be that's higher higher uh strength therefore it's beefier than railway OLE kit uh, lane control will increase road friction. Yeah, it definitely would. You're going to end up with a uh, less efficiency. But the idea is that when you're doing that under the wires, um, it wouldn't match so much. Good point, Tim. Uh, so that's that's how tension works. There we go. So again, it's a nice picture of the, uh, the, the, the vehicle going past at, at slow speed. These things are limited to 90 kilometers an hour, by the way. So um, yeah, they're gonna, there's going to be a lot of uh, non-electrified HGVs overtaking them on the uh, M180, methinks. Uh, unless they've increased the speed, which I doubt. So there we are. You can see it's, it's you can see it a bit beefier the kit. This is just next to a bridge, so you can see there's the shrouds on the early, on the uh, on the contact wire down here. You can see the shrouds, shroudy shroud. They are to um to protect the the underside of the bridge. Um, so control. Uh, well, this is the inside of the vehicle, and you can see there's a bouton here which lifts your. This is this is your button to lift the pantograph and then this is i presume just a, a illumination there's there's little illuminations there that say whether the pan is up or down so there's just one button in the cab it's that simple one little button uh and they are where, where are these I can't even see where they are they're just here um there we are this is our satin powell uh yeah and that's it that was that was the that was the truck it's as simple as that um so uh ah here is the picture that here's the video you've all been waiting for here we go. You can see us, this is us in a coach driving behind it. Uh, and you can see here's the, the cables coming in, uh, going along, doop de doo. Uh, I think he, I think the driver raises and then drops the pantograph because they realize, actually, I don't think they're allowed to run it on the curve for this trial. They're only allowed to run it on the straight. So they lift it and then they, and then it doesn't get contact and then you see it drops immediately again. So I don't know, I don't know whether that was an accident or not. But anyway, there we go. Um, so you can see it can be lifted. They can be lifted by pressing that button on the move. People are asking why two pantographs and um, on a railway. Uh, let me just click out here. Let me go into here. Uh, where's my mouse going? Uh, basically, uh, let's get it. Let's wait until we've we've got. So so essentially, on a railway, you've got these. You've got rails here, right? Um, and so when in to, to, to complete the current, you just have one pantograph. And so the electricity goes in there, through here, makes the train go go fast, and then you get onto through one of the rails, you get the return current, and it returns to kind of a line side doodad, and then it comes back, and then you've got your current, right? Because electricity needs to be you need to have a completed circuit, right, for it to work. Um there's no there's no thing there's there's nothing down here to complete the circuit. So what you need to do is um you need to it comes in wait a minute, we'll, we'll wait until we go back to the start again. So yeah, exactly. So it comes in one. Oh, this isn't going to work quite as nicely. It comes in one and then it goes out the other. So you you end up your your circuit from your from whatever your your battery is or whatever your power source is. Uh, it's coming in, going in here, and then powering your thing, and then it's coming back through the other one uh, and back in to complete your circuit. Uh, I've forgotten my physics symbols. Um. So, uh. Jordan Jack is, is Jordan you uh wait a minute Jordan uh, yes I uh, we'll get to that you're you're right Jordan bear with us on a sec on that yeah uh, we're getting there so anyway that's that's that that's how that works that's why there's two panographs uh power 
I don't even remember what... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say something about how these are sourced. And you can kind of look at the... the, the so you can look at the OLE while we're chatting. Um, hello, Andy Bell. Hello, everyone. Um, so... Clean the window, I know, right? That's people getting very excitable and looking at the OLE kit. It's not that hugely exciting. You can sort of see that there is no stagger. Sort of this slightly offset-looking uh, thing. I think possibly just to reduce the construction height. Uh, you know, if you've got that slightly angled uh, design, it just reduces the construction height. Uh, I think nothing more snazzy than that. Um, yeah, and there is, you know, see, it's pretty conventional OLE kit, right? Um, so, anyway, right, that's enough of me waffling and chatting to people in a coach while I film that. Here is the, um, this is the, what was it, a rectifier? Is that what it was called? I can't exactly remember. Where's Where's, uh, where's Gordon Jilks when you need him, who understands power? Anyway, this thing, I think it's fairly straightforward. You just need some kit to get whatever your DNO is. You just feed it pretty much the same way you do the OLE. I don't think it's particularly compl complex. Um, right, so that was the technology, and we're going to talk about reality in a moment. But questions, let's go big face, because this is a... We're trying. We're saying getting back to our roots. It's already, we're already 37 minutes in. Uh, the next bit's much shorter. So, Questions. Could long-distance coaches use this as well? Yeah, well, yeah, they could, probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, if there's more OLE, there's more expertise, to an extent. Uh, Jordan, that's all right. My, my train of thought gets derailed all the time. People are used to it. Um, it annoys some people, but uh, they aren't... They're, they're not who I'm here. They're not the audience. They're, it's fine. Uh, no, it's not auto-transformers, and it's not transformers. Thanks for your for your inputs. But no, there's another one. Wait a minute, I'll, get, I'll just get my... Just get my go to Twitter and get the. Th There's a thread I did where I was actually looking at, uh, in real time while I was watching these that I think might be more useful. Uh, yeah, and this is me doing a super search. Uh, let me just because I'll tell you exactly what it is. Uh, the word, the name for that piece of technology. I finally got it in my head how to pronounce uh, the, how to actually pronounce the the, the name of the region, Yevlobora, Yevlobora. Uh, which is where it is. Where, 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 where? Uh, rectifier. I was right. It is a rectifier station. Um, what that means? OLE people will know what that means. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, right. Lots of, right, here are the questions coming. So, long distance. Da, 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 da. Uh, what are the benefits of one kilometer road OLE versus one kilometer rail OLE? We'll get to that momentarily. Um, uh, is the system AC or DC? It's AC. So, I think it's AC. Um, 25 kV. I think it's just the same as regular OLE, actually. Um, what would happen if a car breaks down under the wires? Not really a big deal. Vehicles would... They'd, ind they'd drop their pan, or even if they don't drop their pan, as soon as they lose contact, the pans will, will drop anyway. they just indicate, move around it, and then raise the pan where they can. So that's not a big deal. Um, having two pans seems a rather unreliable concept. Oh, not particularly. It's, okay, it's more points of failure, but it's just a way to provide the, the circuit, isn't it? Um... Uh, turns AC into DC. I think I was sure this is AC, not not DC. So let me get uh, let me get my um, let me get that thread back up that I just closed. Uh, just a second, I can provide questions via that. So ah, nope, nope, yep, you're all correct. I'm speaking nonsense. It's seven fifty DC overhead. Yep, it's seven fifty DC overhead continuous system. So that uh, that explains that. Should listen to my own information. Yes, it's DC. Yes, DC. Seven fifty DC. I'll write it down for anyone who's partially sighted on the thing. Wait, uh, there. Seven, seven fifty 
DC. There we are. No one can see that, but I'm going to just do this. There, see, 750 DC, that makes it real. Um, uh, can I speak to safety systems with the OLE for when a vehicle hits, hits a pole? Uh, when's a vehicle going to hit a pole? Uh, they're just going to have to have Armco along the whole side of the motor, which in most cases you do anyway, so I don't think that's too much of an issue. Um, yes, everyone's saying rectifiers converted AC to DC. Yeah, yeah, it's rec yes, that, yep, yeah, 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 I've, I've, I'm done. I, I, I've fixed, I've corrected myself now. Thanks, everyone. Uh, my thread is, has a lot of this information, and so I can kind of recommend that. Uh, and then there's another video that I will put up, which is an interview with them. The two folks in the technical and the and the kind of the regional people in charge of this um can we have a link to this twitter thread yeah i can literally send it through now wait a minute i'll do just that link that thread right now in the chat there it is linked marvelous uh and the bot there's also a, uh i did this is my first sort of q a on this which i did which i'm gonna link to now uh there we go let me get rid of that uh and do there we go uh, I don't know how to then download these anymore. I need to learn that. But if I click this, this will also give you a link to a bit of a Q and A um, that you can that you can actually go and watch on on Periscope that I did at the time, which was really good and it kind of inspired me to do rail matters. So we very much are getting back to our roots. Um, is there a danger to motorists who have broken down in the hard shoulder? Uh, not particularly. But no more than there is now with HGVs going past. Uh, yeah. Uh, John Christoph says, given it's 750 volts DC, are there any safety precautions necessary if a motorist has to pull over uh, to the shoulder and exit the vehicle, uh, e.g. for a flat tyre? I don't think particularly there are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, they've been running the system in, in, in Sweden for a long while and they don't seem to have any problems with, with, with kind of basic safety stuff, systemic stuff. You know, they're running it, they're running... The trial was with, with I think, only four trucks, but... Um, the, the drivers were they were kind of as part of the, the wider fleet just kind of doing the thing that all the other trucks were doing so it wasn't particularly dramatic so they were running it long enough that the drivers would kind of forget themselves and get used to it rather than it being completely novel you know it was running for quite a long time um uh oh ned where are you what have you pointed out ned uh uh 750dc is most north american light rail uh Right, good. Uh, da, 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 right, fine. Marvellous. Most people, yeah, people seem to manage under tram wires, so these should be fine. It's, they're probably a bit high. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so the whole point of this technology bit is to say the technology is fine. It's fine. There's no problems with it. Uh, the vehicles can go 90 kilometres an hour, no faster. Um, the technology is fine. It works. Th but this is not the problem. The technology is easy. Let's talk about the hard things, i.e. reality. Uh, yes, Ned Carlson. No implications for safety under the wires. It's just tram wires. It's just easy. Tram wires, not a big deal. People walk around under tram wires all the time. Not a big, not a problem. Um, so let us return to my miniaturized face. Uh, there we go. So we're going to talk about reality. We're going to talk about some stats and the context and uh, and why the technology working and these actually being a sensible idea technologically isn't the whole picture. So let's start with some data, shall we? Some data on, uh, yeah, Will, you're right. All of the all of the, the the UK DC railway network is 750 volts um, nominally. Uh, it varies between 600 and 800, but uh, yeah, nominally 750 volts DC. Um, and yes, 
but that's down that's in a stupid third rail so the best not to worry about that right we're going to talk about ghgs uh greenhouse gas emissions so we're going to look at total 2019 total greenhouse gas emissions for the uk or sorry greenhouse gas emissions breakdown for the uk but we're going to start with the total number which is 455 million tons of co2 equivalent emitted by everything in the uk um transport emitted 122 of those million tons of co2 equivalent and indeed 111 uh tons a uh, million tons of co2 equivalent uh were from road transport so road transport is very much the single largest source of, of greenhouse gas emissions in the uk but if we break down into that how much are hgvs you know what is the potential for these wires you know what what can we save well of that only only it's still a big old number 19.5 million tons of CO2 equivalent are emitted annually by HGVs in the UK. So it's quite a lot less than the overall big picture, but it's still a fairly sizable amount. It's about 4.5% of total UK emissions. Um, and if you want an idea of scale, uh, rail freight, here's rail freight, uh, in its current state, by the way, which is the some of the highest carbon intensity rail freight in Europe, um, and actually globally, in fact, uh, as as the um, as RIA's Why Electrify report showed in great detail, we have a hopelessly carbon intensive railway. But the thing is, railways are incredibly good even when they are carbon intensive because they're so much more efficient at moving stuff around. You know, one engine moving up to 80 lorries, you know, 80 HGVs worth. Uh, we'll get to some other points that relate to that momentarily. So, you know, um, rail freight in the UK uh, emitted 0.5 million tons of co2 equivalent so a, a tiny fraction in fact uh this table kind of breaks things down a bit bit more neatly so yeah the uk total 455 um transport is 27 percent of that road transport is 24 and a half percent of that hgvs are four and a half percent of that total so these are the totals of of overall uk annual emissions rail freight is less than 0.1 percent of total uk ghg emissions so rail freight essentially has an insignificant contribution to make to uk annual emissions so um this is where it comes back to the point that electrifying just for the sake of decarbonization for rail particularly for rail freight is pointless but that's not what electrification is about this is the thing that people need to get in their head electrification is not about decarbonization purely in an emissions sense it's about bigger things than that and we're going to talk about that momentarily uh key things key key facts to remember Annual rail freight emissions are equivalent to around 2.5% of HGV emissions. So, you know, rail freight emits a tiny amount compared to HGVs. Annual rail freight ton kilometers, however, are 11% of HGV ton kilometers. So we're, rail is moving more than it's emitting. And actually, in, in a very with some very rough calculations, you can see that rail uh, is kind of uh, about four times less uh carbon intensive there's me in this is an awful color let me just do this in a better color come on now uh let me change this to to let's go white uh yeah uh rail is uh four times less uh carbon intensive into uh, you, you know what i mean carbon intensive marvelous um it's me john maddening my way through things and um, other points that are relevant if you want let's 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 people like talking about hs2 carbon in in hs2's worst case hs2 emits um 14 million uh tons of co2 equivalent 
uh, in, a, in a worst case, total construction and operation costs. So uh, annual HGV, so every year, HGVs emit 1.4 HS2s. The railway, rail freight emissions, emit 0.04 high-speed 2s a year. So there's the difference in terms of annual emissions. That's the scale. Um, yeah, that's the scale that we're talking about. You know, rail, rail freight emissions are just not a thing to worry about. Right, now we're going to list some issues. So, and we're going to come back to this, and you can ask queries, and we can, can chat about other things. Yeah, someone said, David Bumstead, insert image of DB Green 66 smoking like a chimney. Yeah, I know, right. Um, here are just some of the things I've thought of that are a challenge, right? And I'll, like, whiz through these in seconds. Just some of the issues. So, we have number one on our little list here, um, engineering skills. This will require, and will sap, engineers that we desperately need and don't have enough of to deliver railway electrification number two carbon intensity um what is the carbon intensity and the impact associated with constructing ole for roads uh, we don't have a good understanding of that what's the impact um given the, the amount of disruption the amount of uh, infrastructure you have to have to to build this is a dc system it's dc which means that you need lots of line side or kind of roadside kit. There are lots of roadside kit. Um, that's carbon intensive. And also the power draw is going to be potentially higher. Well, I imagine is higher than the, the, the energy draw for uh, for a railway, given the, the frequency of vehicles. So you'll need even more power kind of substations next to it. Um, lack of drivers. This is not resolving a critical issue we have, which is the chronic shortage of, of drivers. That, you know, so this isn't helping that that problem at all. The speed of infrastructure rollout. How quickly is the is this? Can this be rolled out? Given given you know uh, road construction timescales, how quickly can it be rolled out? Um, another issue here. We've got um, you know the we've got an unknown total system. It's all very well looking at that isolated little patch, but how does that work in terms of the total system? How does the how does the funding mechanism work for the OLE? How does the commercial model work, the business model work for getting that kit attached to vehicles? Uh, you know, what's the maintenance look like for the kit behind the vehicle? Who's, who, whereas we know what rail freight looks like as a total system. We understand it. It's a known system. Um, the speed of road versus rail vehicle upgrade. You know, this is kind of one of the queries more than a problem. But, you know, how quickly are we upgrading? Um, are we going to be upgrading rail vehicles, electrified rail vehicles, compared to, to how quickly can we upgrade the road fleet um you might say something like well you know it's taken to take decades before the 66s are replaced yeah but also have a look how slowly the uk is swapping out its uh you know buying electric vehicles uh how how slowly the rate of, of the percentage between non and between electric and non-electric vehicles is really very slow because government's not interested in actually stepping in. The funding model itself, the funding model is is not only not been written down, but it's untested. And, and it, it, it's there are some suggestions that it will rely on a reduction in fuel duty. And, you know, I think the discussion I had with with um, with Jan, uh, uh, who is kind of in charge of this this trial uh, for uh, Region, uh, Region uh, Hevlubere in Sweden, said that it, it really relies on road pricing. Um you know, you've got the uh, people are talking about, you know, issues related to road only being damaged and needing emergency repairs. That's not such a big deal because it's very easy to just put a load of cones around and resolve the problem. Um, you know, people cone off lanes and motorways all the time. I don't think that's such a big issue. It's easier than on a railway. Um, 
you know, it does absolutely nothing for urban logistics. You know, this is, is still resulting in HGVs. It's potentially doing the opposite. It's actually potentially enabling HGVs to operate within urban centres, which is just a bad thing, not just because of emissions, but because of the size of the vehicles, the damage they cause, the risk they ha- present to, to other road users, you know, cars, bikes, motorcycles, particularly pedestrians. And fundamentally, the main issue with this, and this is the issue with, with so much of the, the DFT's decarbonisation plan, so much of it is reliant on, and this isn't really the DFT's problem, it's that's kind of their scope being set by ministers, it's the lack of inspiration and vision with our ministers. It's incentivizing the status quo. This is just saying, well, how are we going to keep everything how it is, but reduce the carbon emissions from it? Which is just not going to work. It is not going to work. Fundamentally... The electrification of rail enables modal shift. The reason why uh, the reason the reason why electrification is a good idea for railways is not because you get rid of point of use emissions. That's just that's not the you know get rid of carbon emissions from, from by having electric trains isn't the main benefit. The main benefit is that you enable a better railway system, which means that you can drive more people, or rather you can push more people or pull more people away from road and air onto rail, and that is where you make the carbon savings. Whereas electrification of road embeds modal stasis it embeds keeping everything exactly how it is it embeds all the road traffic collision issues you know the, the, the roads you know britain's roads are pretty safe but in terms of road safety you know two to three thousand people a year killed on our roads Twenty-five thousand people killed or seriously injured every year on our roads Twenty-five thousand, absolutely such so many people who, are, who have their lives ended or changed as a result of road collisions this does nothing for that this embeds that that as a problem you've got all of the the material consumption all the all the battery kit all of that all that metal work all of the plastics for every single hgv to have all this kit added to it that does not have uh, you know that is uh just moving down around one lorry's worth of kit you've got all that multiplication of weight all the extra weight of of, of kit just moving one lorry's worth of goods around so the, the, the systemic issues with this are what what the problem is however however that doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad idea because it is offering a chance for us to reduce greenhouse gas emissions so this really comes back to how it fits into the policy framework that the dft is presenting but more importantly that the cabinet office and that the the, the cabinet and the, and the and ministers are providing and it feeds also into, you know, go back to episode 24, um, whether road pricing is the future. This, this Fundamentally, this, this system cannot work. Um, you know, this, this system cannot work without us changing the way that, that roads are funded in this country. And, and road pricing has to be the future. It absolutely has to be the future. Um, so, yeah, there's Richard Richard Smith is uh, yeah pointing out the fact that there's going to be this situation where you've got Drivers constantly downing the pantograph to overtake a lorry going a kilometre an hour faster than putting it up for 100 metres before taking it down again to overtake another lorry. Well, yeah, indeed. Uh, Peter Princic is asking, would it be somehow sensible to put an induction wire under the asphalt? Uh, no, because that would be an absolute nightmare to install and maintain uh, and would cause all sorts of other issues with pacemakers and stuff. No, I don't think that would be very good idea at all. Um they are reduced to a lower maximum speed. They'll be uh, 90 kilometers an hour, yeah. So, again, yeah, in Britain, given that we know what our HGV drivers can be like, you're just going to have constant traffic of, like, HGVs overtaking other HGVs not, or just not using it so they can overtake. The thing is, 
the way that gets fixed is by the same way that you currently have is by driver management systems and by fuel management systems on HGVs. So if they come back having burnt a load of fuel when they've when they estimate when they'll have had someone go out and use the optimum amount based on using the OLE as much as they can, um, those drivers will get penalised. So actually, I don't think that's so much of an issue. I think that won't get won't be so much of an issue. Um, something about tram wires. Can we have lorries that also run on tram and trolleybus cables? Absolutely not, because that's essentially permanently fixed onto the cables. So that just doesn't work. No. Um, David Shepard doesn't work at all. Um, right, so back to these numbers, because there is one final point that I want to make in terms of policy, which is the main despairing thing that I have to say about this. And it's relevant because it was being brought up on the news this morning with, with this stupid client journalism piece by the Beeb about um, about fuel duty prices. You might see where I'm going with this. I'm just pouring myself a bit of beer. I'm gonna have a, Actually, I'm going to have a fairly sizable glug before I say this, because it's, otherwise I'll spittoon it everywhere. Oh, that's very, very nice indeed. Um, Tim Ballum, emissions pricing is the way forward. You'll go back to the, if you haven't watched it already, go back to the road pricing episode where we kind of account for that. So, um, also, no, uh, I don't agree that emissions pricing is the way forward because um, to some extent, road vehicles are still problematic even if they're not emitting anything at the point of use. So, the issue is this bit, this thing I'm flashing up at the bottom. Because there is a carbon cost to the fact that we've had fuel duty frozen since 2010, right? And Carbon Brief, there's a really good little paper and some research that's gone into this. And in fact, it's a, it's, it's a bit of a systemic review of several papers that looked at this. And they estimate that the impact of the fuel duty freeze is around 20 million tonnes of CO2 equivalent per year. Now, uh, where's that number familiar so that that's that's accounting for about four and a half percent of total uk annual emissions now wait a minute what's where's if we just have a look at hgv emissions hgv emissions are 19.5 million tons co2 equivalent a year so yeah if we go to this so so basically we could scratch through and cancel out all of those emissions from hgvs if we simply hadn't frozen fuel duty for that period of time hopeless so yeah basically you know you could if if we if we think about the fuel duty freeze accounting for 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 twenty million tons of CO two equivalent, that would have got rid you know that essentially would have cancelled out that that HGV benefit. So if we talk about policy changes, you can see that there are bigger things at at play here than a little bit of technology putting some wires above some of our motorways. And actually, I I'm skeptical as to the speed that you could roll that sort of a solution out. Anyway, I, railway electrification is so much better because you're getting and in fact yes, there's there's the reality. Oh, you know what? We'll, we'll we'll do some electrification ranting momentarily, but I, I'm going to conclude, and then we'll go back to the um, uh, go back to the uh, the Q and A, and we can kind of uh, finish our chat. We've got two minutes before the hour, but we'll do a bit of Q and A after this. Um, so, is it a good idea? <sighs> I don't think it is a good idea, but I don't begrudge this trial. I don't begrudge science, you know, and and, and empirical uh, data collection. So. I'm jury's out on it being a broadly bad idea. I want to see how the trial goes. Um, I think it'll get stuck in, in, in hot water. I think it'll have lots of challenges because the, the tech is easy, the technology, the infrastructure is easy. What is not easy is the um, is the policy framework, the road pricing, getting HGV companies to have any interest in this whatsoever, this sort of thing. Um, so in a way, electrify all, you know, hashtag electrify all the things. I'm kind of keen for this as, as, as on the one side as, as a way to, you know, as a contributing factor in reducing GHG emissions. But given what I understand, the big but...
given what I understand about the political context, political context is everything, folks. Go back to episode 37 and why it's so important to tell people that Hyperloop is bad. This is the same sort of thing. This is that, that sort of FMAM political context. The reason it's critical is because is this going to be used, you know, is, is this thing going to be used as an excuse to avoid... Well, it's not so much an excuse to avoid investment. Is it an excuse to delay investment? Because HMT is like, ah, yeah, but that roads thing looks cheaper, probably. So we'll do that instead of electrifying railways, right? And this is the fundamental thing, right? Railways, here's a gorgeous picture of, uh, of a, a nice Class 88 here hammering over the hill with, uh, um, with some nice, uh, with its pan up, just looking so much more competent under the wires, it has to be said. This is how you move goods around, for God's sake. The thing with the railway electrification is, uh, you know, I've gone on a lot about the fact that, that our current horrendously carbon intensive uh, rail freight fleet is still so much better than the road freight fleet because of uh, the fact that it's it's carbon intensive compared to others because we haven't electrified our railway network and there's so many Class 66s around. But it's still, still so much better than road freight, four times better, you know, four times less carbon intensive than, than road freight, despite the fact that all of it's moving around, you know, by class 66s for the most part so just imagine what happens when we do all those little infill schemes and it electrifies you know that that carbon intends to drop away rapidly making the making the even better than road but what's more important is not that carbon intensity at all it's the modal shift it's the fact that if you've electrified railways you're electrifying railways you get the benefit of them for both passengers and and freight but you've got the the acceleration you've, you've got more the trains are more powerful so they can haul more freight more quickly they can fit into timetables more easily because they accelerate more rapidly so it's not about the emissions it's about the fact that you get a better railway system with electrification which enables modal shift towards rail because it can move more more quickly more frequently uh, and it does it works better for the customer this is the critical critical thing so yes this is the uh, rail you know electrifying railways is the answer my fear is that this gets used as an excuse to delay, further delay rail infrastructure uh, uh, electrification. But I'm going to give the DFT the benefit of the doubt because in the transport decarbonisation plan, as we're going to finish next week, by the way, we, we got the first half done, it talks about rolling program electrification. So we've kind of almost won that battle again. Almost. Not quite there yet. Until it's happening, until there is a team working on it and I see the plan rolling ahead in front of us, I won't believe it. But theoretically, you know, the talk is there. It is not, you know, that once that gets moving, and, and I think once the rolling program actually gets some inertia behind it and starts making progress, I that will hopefully just continue to happen because it'll start transcending electoral boundaries. So that, you know, it'll start transcending electoral dates and sort of um, election cycles, and, and it that that'll help. So, given that. Yes, there's a skills shortage, but I I would argue that we need to be growing those skills majorly anyway so i'm going to come out on this and say despite the fact i've got a picture of an electrified a nice class 88 with with its pan up here i'm all for the trial i want to see it happen um it can open up some discussions uh but all that other political context stuff is very important so let's go big face chuck your questions in my direction folks uh richard smith is saying it'll make a great tom scott tim traveler jeff marshall video in 2035 when it's a weird isolated trial that's due to close in 2037 so you better come by and check it out well yeah indeed um have i heard of the rail delivery groups i think idea to operate 100 mile per hour intermodal trains that's been an idea for a very long time it's not the rdgs but uh yeah all for it uh any other queries gone I was going to rave. I was going to actually have some like rave music, and I was going to do a rave for the fact that I'd have my second jab, and I was going to do this with the lights. 
Content warning, this video is going to contain potentially flashing lights, although I don't think it'll be quite dramatic enough to, to cause anyone an episode, but just, uh, I was going to do my rave. Watch them all flash out. It's not a very good rave, was it? I needed some <laughs> music. Anyway. Um, Psyguy16, seeing parallels with what happened to all the private owner wagons when railways started requiring fitted freight. That's interesting, yeah. Uh, see the freight episode that we had uh, momentarily. Uh, what was it, last week, two weeks ago? I forget, I've done some pre-records, so I've totally forgotten when episodes were. Um, people are asking what the budget is. The budget is so-and-so... Wait a minute, tell me, let, let me just go in here. I think the budget for this bit is... Uh, it's so-and-so many million pounds. The actual budget for constructing the infrastructure is uh, TBC at this point. Uh, the current massive and long-term shortage of HGV drivers should be a big incentive to push towards freight on rail. Absolutely, Detour. Yeah, could not agree. Like that is a, it's not an issue that's it's not going to get fixed. Episode seventy-one was freight. Thanks. What episode is this? Uh, Seventy-three. So it was two episodes ago. Thanks, James P. Uh, Detour. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, driver shortage is just an absolute is the critical issue. Is like an absolutely critical issue we are facing, um, because it's resulting in us having lots of empty supermarket shelves. So this is that we desperately need to be um, sorting that problem out because our supply chain is, is currently crumbling. Brexit and uh, people having or being close to others with coronavirus is is wiping out our um, our supply chains. Uh, remember to at me. If you've got a question, at me so my name appears in red because it means I can easily spot the um, spot this. Uh, David Shepard, people have all been asking about coaches. Would early on roads work for National Express? Uh, you know, for coaches too. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I, I I don't know to what extent you'd. Coaches are quite a lot lighter, and they don't necessarily have the. You'd maybe, possibly struggle to build a coach that could, work with it, thinking about structurally how coaches look and work. Someone could make it work, I'm sure. But if you were having the thing about a tractor is that it sits half kind of halfway between the structure of the actual vehicle. If you've got the kind of the tractor. The, the, I haven't got a little toy lorry anywhere near me, I'm afraid. You've got the tractor at one end and then the bit behind. If the if the OLE is sitting in the back, it's kind of nicely balanced between the two. With a coach, you've not really got anywhere to put that that kind of pack, that battery pack and the the and the, the kind of pantograph. So yeah. Um Detour is pointing out that HGV driving is a hard job. Yeah, hard in both senses. It's chal technically challenging and also it is um just tough. It's a tough life, right? Um Jordan Jack, uh, are they gonna platoon them if this trial is successful? No, platooning has disappeared. People who talked about platooning for a while, it hopelessly did not work. They trialed it in Norway, I think, for a while, and it was a disaster. So they've just given up. Platooning has sort of disappeared as a as a thing. Um, as I said, it would back in 2018, 2017, when I wrote my first piece for Rail Magazine talking about this very subject. Um, it's worth pointing out that you know, there are lots of benefits of rail freight over, over road. Uh, where is it? Rail freight versus road haulage, Gareth. Dennis, searching my own name on Google, but only because it means I can link you this piece in the chat. There we are. Uh, pop this in here in the chat. This piece you can read if you're interested to to understand that some of the various myriad benefits of, of rail over road. Uh, Peter Princich has enjoyed that rant. Uh, just push. Uh, some routes in Germany and Austria made of concrete. Can a deduction while be part of the rebars in concrete road? I don't think so. I think there's a, you'd end up with a challenge with corrosion control. Um, I just don't think putting extra infrastructure in the road is necessarily good. It's a bit like the people talk about solar panel roads it just never ends up working it's one of those things that looks, it, it works looks nice uh sounds nice but it's a bit fm it's not very uh am 
Ned Carlson, I think the question for coaches would be whether you can work with the pans being right at the rear. MCI is already playing with hybrid highway coaches. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, what else? What will the Tim Ballum? Will the lorry drivers be able to choose who they buy their electricity from? Yeah. So um, this is a TBC thing. You know, how does this work? I think the idea would be that you'd uh, certainly the Swedish model looked like, or they expected Siemens expected that you'd buy the kit from a consortium like Siemens Costain. Um, there'd be a single provider, a monopoly, basically. You buy the kit off them, and then you pay them for the electricity you use, and they it's essentially metered that way. Um, oh, Matteo's saying induction is hugely inefficient. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, would this push more... Consol Richard, you've added your own name in, not mine, but I'll, I'll forgive you. Would this push more consolidation at out-of-town motorway-adjacent depots, which in turn would encourage car commuting to from and may be hard to consolidate for use by rail? <sighs> That's a big macro question. Uh... No, I think one thing it might do is in, is further de-incentivize that shift from, um, because as I keep saying, ULEZs and urban urban municipal transport, uh, ultra low emission zones are going to mean that lorries are going to stop being able to access centres of towns and cities, which means they're going to have to stop. And as soon as you do that, as soon as you make HGVs have to stop at the border of a town, you're undermining that benefit. You're undermining that um, the advantage that road has of not having to interchange because it's the interchange that makes it expensive. So if you that's where rail then can really pick up the slack because if you're if you're interchanging onto a little van to get into the center of the city either by rail or by road, suddenly all of rail's benefits are being massively uh, you know massively kind of cheaper, massively more energy efficient, uh, and more reliable actually. All of those benefits come to the fore. So yeah, there's a yeah there's a um. Yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely... Sorry, I'm trying to catch up with the, the questions over here. There's definitely a a kind of a, a, a playoff there, I think, in terms of the macro effects. Yeah, the, again, the trouble we've got is that the FT is not interested in incentivizing that level. They're not interested in incentivizing that change. That's where the change is. If you can... If you put ULEZs in every major... Why is that not... The trouble is they get lobbied, so they don't... They don't want to do something that's actually results in fundamental change. Um... And it's, you know, it's that's this argument of an economic balance and all this stuff. But if they want change, introduce ultra, introduce plans for ultra-low emission zones in all towns and cities greater than 100,000 people across the country. And make it that in those, you're not allowed to enter the, the area of central density. You have to offload at the, at the border. And that will just start making changes happen. It really will make start making changes happen. Um uh, here we are. HST, do you think this Cardiff Swansea line should be upgraded and electrified because it suffers a similar problem to the West Coast Main Line? That's kind of by the by, really, in this chat, I think. Richard Smith, uh, in the 60s to the 80s, there was talk of converting the Chilton Main Line into a motorway slash road. Turning on its head, which motorway slash road would you convert into a railway? Ha! <laughs> Everyone's getting distracted now and using... Well, I need to have a, just a general ask-me-anything uh, rail now, don't I? Because uh, people have so many questions. HST Trains and Richard Smith, you, you're, you're teasing us with these... Fun questions that, uh, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Tim Ballon saying, suddenly all the supermarkets back onto the railways. Just go back and watch that um, episode 71 about rail freight uh, and the demise of rail freight. Because there's so many things that are like, that's a brilliant idea. Why are we still not doing that? Um, and as, yeah, as Simon Zev Kendler, who is a, a, a freight professional, literally a rail freight professional, uh, is saying, that's what the supermarkets want to do now. They want to do this. There isn't the capacity in the railway network to do this stuff. So we as an industry have to catch up we really do. And, and that requires major, you know, major upgrades, new lines to, to free up capacity in the existing network for more freight. 
Um, for people often ask, and I'm going to second guess it, no, a freight, a dedicated rail, new railway freight, a freight railway line is a stupid idea because you'd have to then build lots of extra things to connect that into depots. No, 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 no. What you do is you free up capacity in the existing railway because that's where all the depots and things are plugged into. Um, this isn't, yeah, you, you, it's far better to do that than to build a dedicated, because you, you, yeah, it wouldn't solve any problems really. David Shepard, how many of our ports and airports have no rail for... Oh, so many. Right, okay, that's enough. That's enough of that. It's. Uh, I've been going for an hour and 11. Let us return to... Moving my face away from your eyes. Uh, here we go. So, uh, the podcast. In fact, the podcast is... It's back. The pod is back. It's fixed. Ella has fixed it. Heel helped. Everyone's fixed it. The pod is back. So this should be, in all good streaming platforms, the podcast should have returned to your ears. Uh, sorry for all of you who've only just uh, kind of only just catching up with things. Uh, apologies, we're there. We're there now. It's back. Uh, LA is in the process of automating it as well, which will make it even better. Apart from a few hiccups of laptop death, um, go send go go support Ella on, on coffee or whatever platform she uses so that uh, she can buy a new laptop. And yeah, we there is also railnatter.com now exists. It's basically a platform for the podcast to work, but railnatter.com actually now exists. Also supported by Ella. Thanks, Ella. Um, yeah, Patreon, Discord, and PayPal. Uh, yeah, patreon.com slash Gareth Dennis is where you can go to support me to make these sorts of things continue to happen. Uh, there, You get teases, you get treats, and in fact, you get potentially even more uh, treats, uh, as I'm about to tell everyone in the next slide. Ooh, exciting. Uh, the Discord server is where all this stuff continues to be discussed. GarethDennis.co.uk slash Discord. There's been a little bit of a gentle spring clean where I've tidied up a few of the channels recently. Um, uh, keep throwing stuff on the Discord suggestions uh, channel, by the way, um, for things to change and, and merge together. Because I do want to tidy up a little bit. I like the diversity, and I like the fact that there's there's a, a decent, fair spread of technical channels. I don't think I want to get rid of any more of those now. I, I think you can merge to the point where people don't know what they are. I need to write some descriptions so people know what each one is for. But we're getting there. I think it's a it's a very healthy little server. There's God knows how many people there now. Uh, wait a minute, I can find out in just two seconds by doing this members 542 members in the in the discord server that's not bad is it and then you can chuck pennies at me through paypal if you if you still fancy it um so oh uh what else goodies yes look look at these uh merch is on its way there is rail matter merch at long last uh why on earth i didn't do this before i don't know it's because i saw nodrog had done some via maskettes big shout out to maskettes um and uh yeah, these uh, so so these are the first going to be the first two ty merch types of merch that you're going to be able to get. There's going to be the real Nat Colton Junction face mask uh, because for me, I, anyway, I'm still wearing face mask. I got sent a load by LNER. Thanks LNER for sending sending. Oh, you can't see these. Wait a minute. LNER sent me a load of face masks. Thanks LNER. Also, oh, I put the other one over there. There's a nice one that had a zoomers that I posted earlier. Yes face masks but there's going to be now rail matter face masks so that's that's good fun um and here they are and also uh the rail matter mug uh the the currently official rail matter mug which is um is this mug a, a hashtag gadget ban um it seems suitable uh, other suggestions being made by the patreon people so the patreon people have the benefit of being able to propose the merch they get to buy uh, and possibly maybe a discount as well because i'm working on that with maskettes uh by which i mean probably what will happen is i'll speak to maskettes and and the, the cut of the merch uh that would otherwise anyway I, i'm gonna work it out basically but if you're a patreon supporter you you'll you'll get there there are additional goodies for you um so 
Uh, yeah, goodies. That should be fun. Uh, what else? There should be... A, I, I've got the interviews for this that I need to merge into a single um, episode, which I'm going to. And it's going to be the first of the Not Just Railways episodes where we're going to take a look at the Siemens e-highway. Um, so I'll kind of go through the technical side of things. It's a very it's a very short video. It's, it's like a super short video, so don't expect big things. But it, the main thing it'll have is it'll have the interviews with the experts. It'll have the interview with... Um, with um, uh, with the two with with the technical the lead technical lead from Siemens and the 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 chap who's in charge of the project Jan uh, from uh, Region Hevlebure, uh, so that should be interesting. It'll cover some of the ground we've done now, um, but uh, yeah, so that uh, that should hopefully be interesting. If I edit the damn thing together, it might come after the holiday because I desperately need to edit together one of the pre Rail Matter pre records that's that for the holiday that's coming up, which I'll talk about next week. Next week's episode. Uh, it's the second half, part two of our um, page turn through the UK's transport decarbonisation plan. We're going to get sink our teeth into the really nitty gritty bits uh, because there are some things about municipal transport in there that, that I, we've not gone through. So we're going to go through that in, in some detail. I think we're on page 88 or something, weren't we, of like 200. Um, but some of that will fall. Uh, we kind of whiz through some of the bits of it. I'll try and go a bit quicker, but I, I, we always, you know, it's always worthwhile getting, getting sinking into the detail of these things. I, I don't mind splitting into two episodes. I think it was worth splitting into two. Um, so now then, what else? I don't think there's much more for me to say other than make my large sweaty face appear. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks everyone. That was fun. Uh, what what else is going on? Which website will these be available? And they'll be available. I'll they'll be linked through here and through various places, but they will be on the Maskets website, which is wait for it, Masket Maskets UK. There we go. Transport inspired apparel. Here it is. Uh, love this. Love it. Look at this. It's glorious. This is where I, I mean they do great. This is where I got my um, regional railways mask from. I, you'll see me wearing out and about anyway. I've just linked it in the thing. Um, people are hinting. Look at this. Look, look, look at this. Fine, fine folks at uh, fine, fine folks at uh, at Masquet. Now let's, let's have a look. Have they got? Where's Nodrog? Because Nodrog's got his. Wait a minute. Let me bring this over over here. Let's go no face and then we press F11. Here's the Masquet's website. Here is the Masquet's website. Here it is. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's yeah. Look, there's the Nodrog shop. Officially licensed TFL merchandise, the mask gets scarves. And essentially what will happen is I think we'll get a little section like this, a little rail natter section, which is nice, isn't it? A little rail natter section. Uh, Go Northeast, look, have their, have a thing. It's it's great. It's like a, it's a proper little following. Anyway, yeah, so a big shout out to Maskettes. Oh, I didn't expect to be doing a Maskettes plug this episode, but it's happening anyway. Uh, big love to Maskettes. A lot of time for Maskettes. Um, <laughs> ah, there we go. So... I've linked a load of things in the chat, so hopefully when I've said there's a thing linked in the chat, it's easy for people watching this video after the fact to go into the live chat and find those links. Um, oh, it's uh, The merch isn't for sale quite yet. I'll announce when it, it'll go on the Discord server when it does go up. Um, they're just wanting to send a couple of tests to just make sure I'm happy with, with how they look, but uh, it's pretty much there. Um, lots of people saying, shut up and take my money now. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I'll announce it exactly when it happens and, and, and I'll be possibly be wearing one of the masks to plug it. Oh, anyway, I'm going to shut up now and leave you all in peace and quiet, you lovely lot. An hour and 20, whoops, that got a bit longer than usual. But it, you know, it was nice, it's nice to have my, you know, have some nice Q&A session. It did end up being quite as Q&A as I expected. I need to stop having so many slides. I always like to prep, prep stuff, you know. 
Uh, warning may spontaneously talk about pacers. Yeah, to make all your all, all of the uh, Patreon people, you can make your suggestions for what the masks should uh, and mugs should say, particularly the masks, um, uh, in the in the Discord server. Right, everyone, you've been oh wrong arm. Huh. I need that arm to control it. It's fine. I can hold it temporarily and deal with the minor ache. It's worth it, everyone. It's worth it. You're all lovely. Cheerio, cheerio, everyone. Cheerio.